Vox Quick Hits. I'm Rebecca Jennings, a senior reporter at Vox. And I'm Meredith Haggerty, deputy editor of The Goods. And this is What's the Story? So I cover TikTok as part of my job, and I joined a couple years ago. And the algorithm has gotten really, really good at catering the content exactly to what I want to see. You know, I see like really funny jokes, like weird memes and really talented kids and just goofy things that just made me keep scrolling forever. And then a couple days ago, kind of as an experiment, I started a fresh new account. TikTok didn't know who I was or what I wanted to see. And what it showed me on its main feed was literally women's butts. <laughs> it was just a stream of hot girls. And, you know, which is fine, which is great. Like, who doesn't love look- looking at beautiful people? But it was ex- so exclusively about the attractiveness of the people. And it was like, okay, people, I, I know why people watch this. It's just pretty people filming themselves being pretty. And that's all there is to it. So I recently wrote about this phenomenon, about why all the biggest stars to come out of TikTok aren't necessarily the most talented ones, and why it seemed like the algorithm was sort of rewarding this kind of mediocre, lowest common denominator content. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of questions for you about this, Rebecca. So when TikTok launched a few years ago, what was the fundamental concept of the app? Why were average people without connections in the entertainment industry attracted to the platform? So when TikTok first launched, it was sort of marketed as this place where it's just fun videos, just this escape from politics, from like the bad side of social media where it was bullying. They just wanted to make you like smile and be like, oh, look at this dance someone's doing. And so over time, people kind of just decided that they liked certain people more than others. And that didn't necessarily correlate to who necessarily had the most talent. It was more just who they liked. So who are some of like the biggest stars on the app right now? I mean, I think like the breakout stars of TikTok are the names that you probably know, even if you've never been on TikTok. They're Charlie D'Amelio, who's this 16-year-old dancer. Addison Rae, also like a college-age dancer. Bella Porch, who's not so much of a dancer, but she's more of a lip syncer. She's a face haver. She's a face haver, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they're, you know, they're, they're girls who happen to all be largely, uh, for the most part, white, very thin, able-bodied, cis, straight women who, you know, sort of reflect society's biases towards these kinds of people back at us. And this is sort of straight TikTok, where it's just kind of like these traditionally attractive people being pretty, and people like to look at that. So what's happening now with these stars? How are they using their fame? Like, what's what's next for the, the TikTok stars of today? We're at the point of TikTok where, you know, its influence on Hollywood is like extremely real. You know, Hollywood stars are getting on TikTok, whereas TikTok stars are also getting into Hollywood movies and traditional entertainment. And I think that what we're seeing is that, you know, they're they're doing kind of the same thing that maybe reality stars do when they when they start to get famous, where it's like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll try recording a single or I'll try like launching a, a food brand or something. It's very Real Housewives because everything comes back to Real Housewives. It's sort of like capitalizing on this fame that you suddenly have, even if there's not one single natural way of of capitalizing on it. Because I think what a lot of these people are famous for is just showing their face a lot. And you see this person's face enough and you're like, oh, now I start, I'm starting to care about them. And so there's a lot of money in that. And we're very used to that in American culture now. We're used to like seeing someone's face once and then being like, okay, well then like, 
Like, where's your brand? How else are you going to make money off of me? (laughs) So like the D'Amelios have a reality show coming up, right? And Bella Porch has a song Mm -hmm. uh, that honestly bangs. Mm -hmm. It's a great song. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, Called Build a Bitch. But you made a really interesting point in your piece about uh, Bella, which was that, you know, rather than being picked by some music label executive, the way that like the tramp stamps, for instance, seem to have been an industry plant, uh, which you also wrote about. Bella Porch has been delivered to the music industry by a bunch of 18 to 25 year olds who are so into her face. Yeah, exactly. It's a really interesting phenomenon where like, you know, the people kind of all came in and voted with their with their attention spans and decided that this is the face that we want to look at. And it's and it's kind of no wonder you look at Bella Porch and she's like she's like the platonic ideal of what a hot girl on the Internet is. She has like dimples and these really big eyes. And she makes these kind of like kawaii facial expressions that I think a lot of people love. And she like does very like hypnotizing movements with her face. And she's very petite and like, you know, she, she just gets the internet in a way. And I think the internet gets her. She'd had some videos of herself singing and she had a voice clearly, you know, like then they were like, okay, done. Like that's our next pop star. And so she created this persona and, and came out with this song that, you know, is a good song. And it's, and it's ironically, the point of the song is about how you can't really build your perfect girlfriend. You can't like pick and choose parts that you want to like make to have this perfect person. Different ass and bigger boobs. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Different ass or bigger boobs. That's the line in the song. But it's funny because that is kind of what happened to Bella Porch. Like the internet picked her and she and she doesn't really say much. That's kind of her thing. Like she's kind of this like blank slate of a person. So Rebecca, if these influencers aren't like specifically talented at the stuff that they're supposed to be talented at, if Addison Rae is not all that good of a dancer, is this like a win for mediocrity? Should I be excited as a mediocre person? (laughs) Well, I mean, I want to make it clear that, you know, I'm not saying that she herself is mediocre. I mean, I am saying that, but not in the way that sounds like the mean way (laughs) that it sounds like. (laughs) I'm basically saying that like that's that's misunderstanding why people follow her. It's because like they like her, not so much like the fact that she can dance better than anybody else. It's it's more about like, oh, you're just being a person and you're good at being a person, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I think that we tend to look at mediocrity as like, actually, maybe we should all aspire to be mediocre because, you know, it's a way to push back against capitalism and like trying to squeeze every last drop of productivity out of us. And I, I think that there is a really like welcome backlash to the idea that we have to be the best or, you know, compete with each other at all costs. Um, I am actually very pro-mediocre. But I think what I'm talking about in TikTok mediocrity is that when we kind of lift up these people who, you know, are are sort of just like pretty faces, and then when we try to squeeze like some kind of art out of them, whether that's like comedy or music or television, it doesn't necessarily work all the time <laughs> because, you know, we've we've seen this before with YouTubers and Vine stars. There's been like a concerted effort to give them shows, give them whatever. And it never really pans out because I think the the talent of being a social media star is like kind of obsessively controlling your own image and talking directly to your fans. And I, I don't think traditional entertainment really accounts for that, which is fine. But I think when you take TikTok stars and be like, okay, no, you should go on the Jimmy Fallon show. It'll be great. Like, no, it was actually awful. Like it, it turned into like this very, very difficult to watch kind of television. And I, I think that's just a microcosm of, of, what we're seeing from the TikToker reality shows. Like TikTokers are not going to make good reality stars. They they don't have that kind of shamelessness and willing to willingness to kind of 
be very, very open on their own terms because reality shows necessitate something that like you you are being put in a situation that isn't necessarily always going to benefit you or show you in your best light. It seems like this is the first time they've not uh, been the person filming themselves. Exactly. Yeah. If these people are relatable, what does that say about what we think relatability means on the Internet? So I think there's a big difference between when we say someone is relatable versus when we call them relatable on TikTok, I think. Because when I think of something as relatable, I'm like, oh, wow, you you get that feeling, too. Like, oh, like you've described this very well or like you've shown your life in a way that I can extremely relate to. But I think on TikTok, when we say relatable, what we're meaning is that like they have held back enough of their personality that you can just protect project yours onto them. Like they kind of exist as blank slates. And that's why people feel this closeness to them, especially young people, because then they, you know, they're they're kind of lifted up as these perfect people rather than like, you know, complex humans with nuanced emotions and everything like that. So so again, I, I think that that's why a lot of um, the biggest TikTok stars Their content, you know, you don't really get to know them. And I think this is what the algorithm rewards because it's, again, it's the lowest common denominator of what people, especially young teenagers, want to see on their feeds. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for explaining that. You can follow all of Rebecca's coverage of all things TikTok on Vox.com. 